Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Sports Talk with Tonsoni. I am your host, Brian Tonsoni. College sports programs utilize all forms of media to support their programs, from game reports to websites, interviews, social media posts. Colleges do a great job of promotion. Tonight's guest is the digital media coordinator for Indiana State Athletics and is also a sports broadcaster for the Sycamores. Please welcome Luke Martin to the show. Luke, how are you doing this evening? Brian, I got to tell you, I'm doing outstanding. Thanks so much for the time. You know, it's a busy time for us, as you mentioned, just because of so much that's going on. Uh, people, of course, know, obviously, football season in the midst of that right now for Indiana State, but you have volleyball, you have soccer, uh, you got fall seasons going on with Mitch Annis with baseball, uh, Coach Punichero, Coach Pooch with softball. So you get your hands in with every other team, uh, which is what I enjoy most about my job is, it's not just one sport all the time. Uh, no doubt it can get heavy, like, of course, here in the wintertime. I'll spend most of my time uh, with Greg Lansing and the Indiana State men's basketball program. But, you know, of course, basketball right now, starting official practice about two weeks ago, which is hard to believe time flies by. Um, but, yeah, it's a great time, Brian. I absolutely love what I get to do each and every day and uh, being able to uh, be around sports uh, for such a long time, even though I'm still young. Uh, at least that's what I try to tell myself. Um, it, it keeps you young being around all these college kids all the time. So I, I absolutely love it. It's a great time of year. No doubt it's a busy time of year, but it's, a, it's, it's one of the most enjoyable times. I tell you, in the last uh, three years, uh, sending a, a, a student to Indiana State, I'm, I'm very impressed with the school overall and, and impressed with the athletic department and what they're trying to accomplish. Uh, how long have you been uh, at Indiana State in, in this position or at Indiana State period? Yeah, this is my second football season. It'll be my third basketball season. So I was hired in January after uh, that would have been January of 2017 was technically my first um, full month working for Indiana State Athletics. I worked at a radio station locally in Terre Haute prior to that covering Indiana State, had a weekly, uh, had a daily talk show, uh, 1130 The Fan FM 995. Uh, that station was sold uh, through a merger. It was part of MS Communications. It sold to another company, uh, which kind of put me in a spot of, okay, well, I can stay with the new company to kind of see where it goes, or I can find something else. And luckily at that time, Indiana State had an opening uh, in their athletic department, and it was an area that I have worked in. I graduated from Ball State, uh, went through the Ball State Sports Link program, which I'm biased, but I think that's the best program in the country in terms of developing young professionals in the business of sports broadcasting specifically. And yeah, I mean, what I want to do is play by play and there's no question about that. I enjoy the play by play aspect of the job, being able to call what was a thrilling of a football game, even though Indiana state came up short over the weekend against South Dakota state 54, 51 in overtime. Doesn't get more exciting than that other than the Sycamores, hopefully pulling out one of those here eventually. Um, but I learned all of that at ball state, with the video aspect, too, it can be a drain. There's no question about that throughout the week, hopping around to all the different teams. Video is not just one of those things you can really just plop in and it's done. Uh, there is a little bit more effort to it. But that also is what keeps me busy and why I really enjoy what I do because I am always doing something. I promise there's not a day where I'm going, man, I wonder what I could do today. Uh, there's always a challenge for that. Um, so, and I learned that after my first job, I worked at UNCG, which in a very similar position I am now, that job for me was a little bit more producing, 
I was their first year of ESPN3 productions at UNCG. So for all the basketball games, I was in a production truck, which was a great experience for me to learn how kind of everything goes together. I got that experience at Ball State too, but I wanted to call the game. Uh, That's always been one of my biggest passions. You can still learn something from producing a game in terms of how it flows, how it's structured. But I wanted to go somewhere where I could start to be the talent for that and not just a producer for that. And that led me to Terra Hope to get that radio job, as I mentioned. And then luckily it's been as smooth as smooth can be a transition into the Indiana State family. So so you're in, into broadcasting and, and you do the editing of the videos. I see you on game days and practice and so forth. Um, when, when you do the videos, what what kind, how much do you take? And then to edit down into a minute, two minute, three minute uh, video segment for social media, how much does that take? And then how long does it take you to edit? I don't think you want to know, Brian. If I told you how much footage I've logged, uh, it would probably uh, scare you of how much footage I've logged. But to kind of put in perspective, all joking aside, um, since I have been here in January 2017, I've already filled up a four terabyte hard drive of footage, uh, about three terabytes full of my second one, which is five terabytes. Uh, For anybody that knows how much footage that is, it's a lot of footage. Um, But I take a lot of pride in trying to do daily updates. It's something that, um, you know, I, I understand that, you know, I'm lucky enough here at Indiana State where there are other video coordinators, digital media coordinators, whatever one, whatever you want to call them, uh, across the league that are also responsible for in-venue productions. And what I mean by in-venue productions are like the video boards. Um, and they're also responsible for their ESPN productions. I'm not responsible for either of them. Now, I do have to provide content for in-venue video boards, like video board intros, commercials, promos, uh, player stingers, um, all of those type of things. But I'm not in the control room having to run it. Uh, Luckily, that throughout the week allows me a lot of control, where I can go to a football practice, I can go to a basketball practice, I can go to a softball practice, baseball practice. I can really do whatever I want. And a, and a big credit to that is the leadership. It starts within our department with Ace Hunt. It goes up to Angie Lancey and Gerard Clink Scales for them allowing me to really steer the ship. Um, there's no micromanaging. You know, I'm not told, hey, we need X amount of videos on, on X. Uh, it's, uh, you can really drive that ship, drive that story. And I think that's kind of where – this day and age is going, you know, it used to be on local media. I've been on local media. Um, it's, it's very important. You know, I think Todd Golden does an outstanding job, uh, local media partner, uh, with the Tribune star, uh, Grant Pugh does a phenomenal job at WTWO here in town. Those guys are important and you need those guys to help tell your story, but you also need to know how to tell your own story, uh, within the department because you're around them every day. Uh, it's not their fault that they can't be around them every day because there's other events for them to cover too for for the local media. So that's what's great about it. It's it's allowed me to be able to uh, to do so much to do whatever I can. Uh, but for a long winded answer, I, you do not want to know the actual <laughs> film that I get. But if you look at the statistics of video, I mean, even on Twitter, Twitter now when you put it on, it automatically starts. But I mean, the percentage of videos that are completed over a minute drops significantly. And that is a challenge because you you shoot it, I'm invested, and you want so much in there. Uh, you know, for example, uh, the sounds of the game, of the South Dakota State game over the weekend that I produced, there are a lot of darn good plays uh, from that game. 
but I know the longer it goes, it was probably still too long. I think it was about four minutes, 35 seconds, somewhere along. That's probably a little bit too long. Uh, but the people that, of course, are invested will watch it. But in terms of trying to grab that viewer, that's why a lot of Twitter videos you see are anywhere between 30 to 45 seconds. Just because attention spans on your cell phone uh, are just so small. Uh, that's just the way it is. And that's part of the challenge is being able to create good t- content content that can grab you and that can really interest you in a very short amount of time with a lot of footage and the turnarounds very quick. So you, you like to tell a story with your videos and you like doing the play by play play by play has to be a story as well. So how do you prepare? What are your, uh, our go-to lines uh, for football or basketball? <laughs> I know every, everyone does, but uh, share with our listeners a, a little bit about your preparation and, and what you try to do as a play-by-play. And, and is it different for football and basketball? I guess there's a few questions in there. Yes, uh, it's definitely different. Um, I have some old spot charts here. I may go grab my book bag here and show you some of my new ones. But um, So a spot chart is obviously what I make throughout the week, um, which is this thing right here, uh, which gets me prepared for a broadcast. Um, a lot of it, you know, when you look at the Indiana State notes, it's not necessarily uh, extremely detailed uh, other than just, you know, updating statistics, all that stuff, because I'm around these guys a lot. So I want to learn their story. Um, of course, I have reminders on my spot board, but most of honestly, my notes, uh, when you look at my spotting boards, the visiting team will be a little bit more filled in, uh, most because, of course, I'm not around them all the time. Uh, and football is such a unique challenge because, one, there's so many guys. Uh, two, there's so much to describe. Um, and, you know, when you get into the art of play-by-play, it's exactly what you said, Brian. You are telling a story. Um, luckily for me, when you have a game like you did on Saturday, this past Saturday, the game, that, that's dictating your own story. You know, yeah, you need you do need to know that South Dakota State beat Indiana State four straight times. You do have to know that Indiana State has lost now 12 straight games against ranked opponents. They were trying to beat their first-ranked team since 2016. you got to be prepared, and you got to know those nuggets, but also you don't want to overwhelm it. Uh, you just don't want to throw out a nugget, just throw out a nugget. you got to let the game dictate where you go. Um, there's always great storylines that you want to bring up, but it's got to be at the right time. Uh, and you don't want to make it about yourself either. I've never been a catchphrase guy, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, I've just – and I – I really try my best to not to script things because I want it to be organic. Uh, you know, there may come a day where just something happens, but that's the way I want mm-hmm. it to be. I don't want it to be something scripted. I don't go into a game. Uh, the only thing I know that I script is, for example, Taron Christian, who's the quarterback for South Dakota State. He was 91 yards away from surpassing the career record at South Dakota State. You know those moments are coming, but I'm not going to sit here and say, okay, here's the line I'm going to use when he mm-hmm. does. Now, mostly he's not one of our guys, so it's not as big of a deal. Uh, but you always try to remember those things. Okay, who's close to a significant milestone in their stats? Um, if they hit this mark, uh, that's where you got to mention it. Uh, those are things you always got to think of, but it's also just doing a little bit more. Um, and, you know, for me, my biggest challenge and what I've tried to learn, of course, is word choice, not saying the same thing every time. Uh, you know, sometimes like describing a pass, I normally say he airs it out a lot. Maybe I should say he slings it high spiraling, you know, describe the pass a little bit more. Um, all of those things and, and trying to describe, is it near hash? 
Is it right middle, left middle, going left or right? Uh, if he's running with it, you know, don't just yell out numbers. That's uh, always been a big thing I've been told. You know, you hear a lot of announcers to the 40, the 30, the 20. You know, where is he at? Is he still at the numbers on the near side? Is he at the numbers on the far side of the field? Is he near the sideline? Is he in the flat? Is he in the middle of the field? So there's a lot of those challenges. And for me, there's so much to describe and there's so much you see. It can kind of be overwhelming. And there's times where you tongue-tied your words. And that's where, for me, my biggest thing I've had to learn, and it's, and it's one of the things I critique myself on, is just slow down. Um, because there's a lot of times where, you feel you aren't fast enough and you got to speed up. And that's where you kind of trip yourself. I can think of one. I wasn't huge on my Jaquan Keys touchdown run that he had of 62 <laughs> yards because by the time I said he had a lot of running room, he was basically already to the end zone because it just went so fast. So, But that's what's great about it because it keeps you on your toes. It keeps you invested. Um, I do not. You know, there's a lot of broadcasters who tweet during a game. Uh, I don't really do that. Uh, mostly because I want to be focused on the game. Uh, I do need to probably tweet out a little bit more, maybe just stats about the game or whatever. I don't really text much during a game because I just want to I want to focus in on the game. I don't want to be in the moment. Uh, I don't want to get distracted. Uh, I normally keep my phone aside. Now, sometimes we have technical difficulties during a broadcast, and that's really what I use my phone for if it's a board out back at the studio saying, hey, can't hear you. Uh, hey, you're not on the air. Uh, change that very fast. Uh, but other than that, I just focus on the game and, and really try to tell the story the best I can. Now, you do women's basketball, correct? Um, is there any preference, or do you just like doing play-by-play for uh, whatever sport? There is no preference. I mean, of course, uh, Brian Fritz, who's been here, I think this is Brian's uh, Fritzy, as I call him, uh, and as everybody calls him. I think he's been here now for 18 years. He's been the voice of the Sycamores. and uh, You know, Fritzy does uh, men's basketball. Uh, he did do football, and I give Brian so much credit for allowing me to step in and switch over and be my analyst. Um, That's not very easy, uh, especially in this business where you get a lot of egotistical uh, people uh, that are in this position. And Brian has been a terrific teammate. And that's why I think we make a really good broadcast team is I'm sure there's probably part of him that he would still like to call those games. But he knows I really have a passion and connection to the program, football specifically. Just like I know him and Coach Lansing have a tremendous bond and why Fritzy does a great job calling men's basketball games for us. Um, but, yeah, I, I've done women's games in the past here at Indiana State. I do baseball in the spring. Me and Fritzy kind of split uh, the baseball schedule, too. It's funny because everyone asks that question of, what's your favorite sport to broadcast? Uh, to be quite honest with you, I do like them all because each sport has its challenge. You know, baseball's biggest challenge is it's slower, of course. Um, so you got you to gotta have stories to tell because if you don't have stories to tell, it's going to be pretty boring and people are going to tune out and tune out pretty fast. Basketball, the game is so fast, you really don't have time to dive into stories very much. You do during breaks, et cetera. But the game where the ball at all times is critical. And football, like we said, you know, there's just so many moving pieces. There are times it's really fast. And then there are times where it's pretty slow, um, which kind of ties into baseball. But that's why I enjoy the play-by-play side on the radio side a lot because there is no picture. Uh, you have to paint that picture. Now, I think I'm more, to, if I'm being honest in how I critique myself and how I look at myself as a broadcaster, I'd like to think I'm pretty good at it from a radio side. 
I really think I'm better at the TV side. I'm more of a storyteller. I'm more of diving in the stories and explaining stories. TV allows you to do that because you don't have to describe everything. Right. They can see where the ball's at. They know it's on the far hash because you see it. It's clear. Um, you don't have to say it's on the near wing or the near left block. It, it's already there. I can see it on the basketball floor. You, you see the score most of the time. You can't totally ignore the score. Uh, there's a score bug. Uh, you can see it. So there allows you to really add subtitles, I guess, is, is probably the best way to describe it on a TV perspective. Uh, kind of the frustration I have in terms of professionally for me, I haven't had many opportunities to do TV. I hope to get more opportunities to do TV because I really think that um, that is my path. Uh, but radio is something, it's just such a, it pushes you to know your stuff. Uh, you just can't show up and just do it. I mean, I guess you can, uh, but you really just can't do it. You got to be prepared. You got to be ready to go. And um, that's that's why that's why I enjoy it, uh, because there is nothing, Brian, like a, like, for example, over the weekend, there's nothing like when you score a touchdown and it's dead silent on the road uh, against the top five team. That's equally just as exciting when you're at home and you have a and you have a really nice crowd, and Jordan Barnes nails a big three, or Brandon Murphy with the tip in against you and I a year ago in the Holman Center, even filming it. You know the excitement of games. That's why I'm in sports, and, and it's those moments that happen that 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 make it make it make it worth it. Well, we we really enjoy uh, Sycamore fans. Really enjoy your work, both in the booth and with the media, uh, the videos that you do. And uh, I, I was a sideline reporter for a few years in Wabash, and uh, we did a post game talk show. And now I'm starting the own own podcast, so I, I get what you're saying about sports and conversation about sports. And and but I commend you for where you've been and where you're going, and and that's been awesome. But let's talk a little bit about. Some uh, Sycamore Athletics, you just called a very exciting football game and a football program under Coach Mallory that is getting things turned around. Share with our listeners a little bit about uh, how this season's going uh, for Kurt Mallory's Sycamores. You know, a year ago, this team was 0-11, and it was a really hard year. Um, and, and the reason it was hard is, you know, I don't want to say any other sport doesn't, um, isn't, physical because that's false uh i think every sport in its way is physical uh it can really take a toll but for how much prep goes into a football game and how difficult the missouri valley football conference is and how great a people uh this staff is this new staff and kurt mallory who i can go on and on uh, about how much i appreciate him uh, not just as a football coach but as a person and as a friend to me and, man, when you see a guy that cares so much, when you see a staff that puts so much in, lose every game. And not just lose. I mean, get your butt kicked. Uh, I mean, the Missouri Valley Football Conference a year ago, not one game was within a single possession at halftime, one possession at halftime. The games were over by halftime. Uh, the average score in Missouri Valley Football Conference games was 50 to 10. Translate translate that to this year, transforming to this year, moving ahead. Indiana State's already won two football games. Granted, one was against a division, a non-D1 in Quincy. Still dominated that football game, shut Quincy out to start the year. You go on the road to Louisville, tied 7-7 at halftime. It was anybody's ball game. Yeah, it was a monsoon. It rained as I thought Noah's Ark was going to come on the field down there in Louisville, and we'd have to leave. Uh, it was a brutal game day environment in terms of the weather having I think 
three de- combined delays for two hours and 45 minutes. The following week, a close rival with Eastern Illinois. Granted, the Panthers are, are not up to their normal standards this year, but you beat them, and you put up 50-plus points on them and win kind of with ease down the stretch in that game. That was by far the biggest win of the Kurt Mallory era to this point. Granted, there's only been two of them, uh, but just in terms of the timing of it was critical. And then Northern Iowa, you see the final score, 33 nothing, and you think, man, it's an Indian State football team that got their butt kicked again. But that was a 9 nothing game about halfway through that third quarter, and it was competitive. And the Indiana State offense had multiple chances to answer uh, the, the opportunities that the Indiana State defense put in front of them, just were unable to do it. And then this past weekend, South Dakota State ranked third in the country. They were four points from beating North Dakota State. North Dakota State's the number one team in the country. They won six of the last seven national championships. They're pretty darn good. And, of course, it's their big rivalry game. And South Dakota State only scored 17 points against North Dakota State, which gives you a granted of how good uh, North Dakota State is. But uh, really the point is, I meant to say, North Dakota State scored 21 points on South Dakota State's defense. Indiana State put up 51 in overtime. They trailed by as many as 18 points at two different times in the second half and found a way to force overtime. Quite frankly, Coach Mallory points to a critical moment at the end of regulation where Ryan Boyle was running. It looked like he was able to get out of bounds to stop the clock, but he only got the first down, which stopped the clock until they reset, and then the clock started. There was a little bit of mismanagement, lost about 10 to 15 seconds, which made Indiana State only have one shot to throw it at the end zone instead of having two, and they had an open receiver just missed. Uh, But to lose 54-51, a game that was 21-17 at halftime against a really good team, in South Dakota State shows you how far this program has come. I think the one thing that I always try to guard by or try to understand is, look, it's not sugarcoating. And I, and I kind of feel like sometimes it is. Um, and, and there's no moral victories. Uh, this isn't a team that's saying we won this past week. They don't win. You got beat uh, 54-51. And honestly, you had the ball at the one-yard line in overtime, had two chances to get it in, and you didn't get it in. You actually lost yardage and had to kick a field goal, and South Dakota State ultimately got a touchdown. Uh, You didn't win the game, but you also can't be blind by the fact that this was a program a year ago that was in no way, shape, or form competing. And not necessarily was that because of football talent. Uh, It was just because you didn't have the right guys. Uh, 64 players on this roster heading into the Quincy game week one, Brian, never played a down for Indiana State. A lot of new faces. Uh, and ultimately this year, they've shown the improvement. Now, moving forward, you got Missouri State this weekend, who also has improved. Uh, it, it's a big game on homecoming for them to really continue to show that they made improvement. Uh, last week was great, but it was a loss. Uh, that's not the expectation. The expectation is the win, and that's what's going to be the expectation on Saturday against Missouri State. I, I'm excited for, for Coach Mallory and and. I was at Indiana University when his father, Bill, turned the Indiana program around after a winless season in Bill Mallory's first year. And so ironic, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it's it's, you know, sounds very similar. And the Mallory uh, boys, the Mallory men, um, my brother-in-law played for Bill Mallory at Indiana and and has nothing but um, respect for 
uh, the way that Bill did uh, ran the program. And I imagine that Kurt's running the program in a very similar way. And it's just exciting as a coach in a different sport. We've all been tasked with rebuilding jobs and it's really, really tough. And so when you see someone that does things right and, and from afar, um, you know, I'm not as connected to the football program as I am to the Sycamore basketball program, but boy, you wish him well. And it sounds like they're off to a, to a good start, but let, let's turn to basketball as practice has started uh, and you're starting to get uh, film clips of basketball and, and we at Delphi Brackets, we, we promote and, and try to guess the tournament. We've had some success with our students. Um, and we were one change away last year from winning it, but we like to talk basketball here in, in Delphi. So, Let's talk a little bit about uh, Indiana State uh, men's basketball, and, and let's talk a little bit about their schedule to start off. It's it's a relatively loaded schedule with some tough road games to start off at Ball State and Green Bay. You got Western Kentucky, who's traditionally pretty solid uh, coming in, and you're at TCU, and then uh, a trip to Hawaii. And, and I like I like the fact that Coach Lansing challenges his team early so that they get ready for a tough MVC tourney. Um, what games do you think are the really big games uh, on the schedule in, in the preseason? Yeah, Brian, that's a great point. Coach Lansing's not shy about it. I mean, he says every year uh, we want to challenge our guys uh, to go out, play really good competition, and try to get some quality wins. Because let's be honest, unfortunately right now uh, with the state of the college basketball game, mid-majors like Indiana State is, in a league like Indiana State is. Look, everyone can talk about Loyola. It was a terrific run. They're really good. But you really think they're going to give the Missouri Valley Conference multiple bids? I hope so. I really do because this league has really good teams. Illinois State's going to be darn good this year. I think Loyola, of course, even though uh, may not be as great as they were a year ago, they still got Clayton Custer coming back. They got Marquise Towns coming back. They're going to be a really good group to watch, too. This is a really good league. And you know, when I caught up with all the coaches at Media Day, of course, everybody is going to say that, right, because they're coaches in this league. But this league deserves more credit, um, which, to your point, for Indiana State, even if Indiana State won all those games you just mentioned and somehow went in the conference play undefeated, even if they won the regular season crown, if they got ousted on the first night in St. Louis – they're probably not getting an at-large bid. I say probably, it's probably clear. It's probably not probably. <laughs> it's clear they're not going to get an at-large bid. Whether that's right or wrong, that's up to you to decide. I believe it's wrong. Um, but in those games, what's going to be critical, of course, right now, Indiana State has applied a waiver to try to get Cooper Nice eligible by game one. They feel really confident that Cooper will get the check mark and be able to go. Now, there's still no beneficial word, uh, no clearance yet. That's huge because this is an Indiana State team that won't get Christian Williams for sure until midway through December. And Christian Williams, an Iowa transfer, I think is a chance to be NBC newcomer of the league really good. I think he's got a chance to be NBC defensive player of the year caliber. His wingspan is out the wazoo. I'm forgetting it off the top of my head. He's an athletic kid. He's a great kid. Yeah, I think those two guys are, of course, going to be major pieces of this team. Hopefully get Cooper early uh, to be able to help this group because I think that's what's going to be maybe, I, I got to tell Sycamore fans, don't be concerned with necessarily how the year starts out because playing possibly without Cooper and Christian 
are two guys I don't want to say will definitely be in the starting five, but are two guys that are going to play significant minutes for this Indiana State team. Alante Holston has been a great addition, a North Texas uh, fifth-year guy. I think he's going to bring more of an impact than what Kedar Davis did a year ago. Kedar did do a good job and had some key moments, uh, but sometimes the consistency wasn't there. Uh, of course, Jordan Barnes uh, is a guy that gets talked about so much. JB, uh, his leadership style has really evolved. He's a much better leader than he was. And that's just kind of where it happens uh, as you get older, uh, maybe besides you and me, Brian. I have the prior <laughs> leadership skills. Uh, but JB has been uh, everything you would hope for to this point. I think for this Indiana State team, what I am intrigued by, and we actually did a story on this about a week ago, is how often will Indiana State play small? You know, you see so many teams at the professional level do it, such as Golden State. Uh, this is an Indiana State team that has size. There's no question about that. Amandre Rickman is a big, big man. Uh, Devin Thomas is a big, big man. Uh, Daniel Huterman is still a project developing. Blake Brinkmeyer uh, is also a young player that's came into the program that is kind of coming off some injuries. There's a lot of uncertainty there. I am more interested to see if Indiana State may go small, but Indiana State has been a team historically, at least under Coach Lansing, to really use um, a big power five guy, and they've had success with it. Uh, Coach Lansing brings up the IU game a year ago. They had every issue in the world uh, with trying to deal with Brandon Murphy. Uh, everybody should because Brandon Murphy was, was a load to deal with, uh, but Coach Lansing also knows where basketball is going and also trying to fit the pieces that he has together. Uh, Ball State, it is my alma mater. Uh, they feel pretty darn good about a team they're going to have with Taylor Pearson's coming back. Um, he's, of course, had a terrific career there at Ball State and a game winner against Notre Dame a year ago to win that game. Uh, but I, I'm kind of really more intrigued of when those guys come back, Brian, because I think – or should come back. Uh, December 16th will be the TCU game, will be their first game, that both of them should be eligible, hopefully Cooper before that. Um, of course, Western Kentucky, those games you mentioned are going to matter. Uh, but I'm most excited to see the team we're going to see hopefully come Arch Madness. And that's going to be that TCU game. It's going to be the Diamond Head at, in Hawaii. It's going to be the early portion of that conference schedule. There are not going to be any easy games in this league. I don't care who it is, um, whether it's a new head coach like this this, uh, this year with multiple new head coaches coming to the league. I think Walter McCarty is going to do a great job at Evansville. I think he's the right fit. Uh, just being at media day with him, I, I really liked his charisma. Uh, I think his basketball resume speaks for itself. Coach DeVries at Drake, no doubt, I think will have the toughest challenge out of any other new head coaches coming in. Uh, Dana Ford has been a head coach before. Uh, going to Missouri State, a school that really has all the resources you can think of. He's not going to have a problem. Uh, walking a kid in the JQH and wanting to play for him. Uh, we'll say that. Uh, that's a team that's kind of really, not kind of, they have underperformed in, in recent years. Uh, but that could be a wild card team too in there. Uh, but th this is a really good league. And I think Valpo will make jumps. You know, they struggled, of course, uh, with their first year in the league last year with Coach Lodick. Uh, but you look up and down. Uh, th this, this is going to be a challenge for Indiana State. There's no question about it. But the expectation for this team is to compete for a Missouri Valley Conference championship. And I probably shouldn't even say compete. Their goal is to win it. Uh, they believe they can win it. Uh, they believe they have what it takes. But to be honest with you, Brian, I've heard that now for the past two years, and it hasn't come to fruition. Uh, they've been honest about it. 
Talk is cheap. I've heard that phrase for a long, long time. Uh, there's a lot of teams that are great at talking, uh, but can they walk the walk? Can they prove it? Well, that's what Indiana State's got to do, and they got to start doing it now during practice. They'll have to do it once these games start rolling around here in November. Uh, it's it's easy to talk because trust me, I'm rambling right now. I can talk all day, uh, but it's but it's all about uh, being able to show that you can perform and be able to win those games. And it's not like Indiana State. I don't know it off the top of my head, so forgive me. But the past two years, Indiana State's been in a lot of games. There's been so many one possession games, games that go down to the final minute that Indiana State has not pulled out. And there's a lot of those games that, if it were flipped. We're probably not talking about disappointment. We're probably saying Indiana State is riding high off of back-to-back really good seasons. It's just been unfortunate that Indiana State has been on the wrong side of multiple close games in recent years, and that's got to change, and and hopefully it will, and and I believe it will, uh, but I also believe at times it would the past couple years, and unfortunately it hasn't. Let's let's talk a little bit about that guard lineup that you talked about. Of course, you have um, JB Cooper. Nice was a Butler recruit uh, that transferred early, and that's where we're hoping that uh, he can get released uh, instead of sitting out till December. Tyreek Key, Clayton Hughes, a couple freshmen that came in and played well for a, a good portions of the game. They're now sophomores. Uh, they're they're impressive. Uh, you have the Williams. A uh, guy who's going to come in, uh, and um, was it Alante Houston? Alante Holston. Holston, um, who transferred in as a graduate transfer. So, so yeah, you have six perimeter guys there. Am I forgetting anyone um, on the perimeter? I don't think so. At least uh, off the top of my head here, <laughs> I can see I can see Coach Lansing going uh, four four around one. You got Bronson Kessinger in the post, Devin Thomas, Amandre, and, and working that in, and. Uh, so, um, you know, I, I'm looking at uh, a rotation of maybe nine or ten. What do you think is the key? Uh, it, it seems like offensively the Sycamores were good, and then they would take some bad shots. Defensively, they would really guard and then maybe give up a ten-point run at a key time, which led to your conversation about close games. Yeah. What to you is the most important aspect, offense or defense, well, for improvement? Well, I, I could tell you uh, – I got to say this, I think, mostly because of Coach Lansing watches. It's defense. Uh, but, no, I would say that even not. It's it's going to be, can Indiana State defend for 40 minutes? Um, that's that's what this team has been known for when they've been really good. Uh, they And talking to every, every head coach in this league uh, at Media Day a couple weeks back, uh, that was the first thing he said, man, you know, when you play Indiana State, they're going to defend your rear end, and they're going to defend it until the very end. But internally, this is a program that knows they have not been anywhere near uh, that normal standard, Brian. And that has to get better. And that's not always something that players look forward to doing, <laughs> is defending and playing defense, because it may not be sexy, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it, for lack of a better phrase. Well, guess what? Uh, it doesn't matter in this program. you got to be able to defend. Uh, and you mentioned those guards. I, I haven't said his name yet, uh, and, and, and that's uh, definitely on me, but... You brought up Tyreek Key, and I want to say a guy that has transformed his body, uh, has transformed his personality too. You know, Tyreek normally when he would walk in the hall a year ago, it's say, "Hey, Tyreek, how's it going?" We'll just get a head nod. Uh, now you get a, "Hey, hey, Luke, hey, Tyreek, how's it going?" I'm good, Luke. How are you? You know, response back. Uh, he was kind of ball up as a freshman when you think of his emotions a little bit, but man, he's come out of his shell, and not just come out of his shell as a personality, but in a basketball realm, too. Uh, 
he is going to be a mega piece for this Indiana State basketball team. Uh, everybody's going to be talking about Jordan Barnes, deservingly so. Uh, but I think Tyreek Key is player of the year type caliber, maybe not necessarily this year, uh, but he's got that skill set to do it. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind, Tyreek Key. He has the work ethic, that's for sure. And it showed at times last year, too. He was a huge catalyst for Indiana State down the stretch. Uh, but how those guys make improvement. You know, Tyreek, I think Clayton Hughes will be another. Uh, Clayton had a solid freshman year, a very athletic kid. Uh, you think of a guy that can jump through a roof. Uh, that is Clayton Hughes. Uh, jumping is not a problem for him. Uh, you saw in a lot of alley-oops uh, to Clayton Hughes a year ago and a lot of high blocks from Clayton Hughes a year ago. Uh, but I think defensively is where it's going to be important for this team, Brian. Uh, but also to your point, too, I mean, it, it's going to be whether this team can defend. And I think the post game is going to be critical of how Indiana State develops that. Uh, it's just been so inconsistent uh, over the years. And that that's why you see teams that ultimately win and make a run, Loyola. Uh, the reason they are so darn good is because they are consistently showing up each and every night. Mm-hmm. Um, they are Indiana State. They proved it last year. They won at Loyola, by the way, the only team to do that a year ago. But also they would lose at home to Drake, um, not to diminish uh, the Drake Bulldogs a year ago. But there were just some head scratchers. Uh, could go on the road, beat Loyola, lose the last place Valpo. Again, competitive league, tuck, tough league. You know those games aren't going to be easy. But in terms of consistency, in terms of finding that, that's going to be the difference of whether Indiana State's going to be a team that's going to be middle of the pack, maybe below that, or be a team that can win a Missouri Valley Conference championship. This is Sports Talk with Tonsoni. Uh, we're talking with Luke Martin of Indiana State. Uh, and we'll, we'll start winding this down a little bit, but I, I've been really impressed uh, with the coaching staff. And I know people might look at a couple of seasons uh, under 500, but, but as, a, as a high school coach, when, when I go and watch colleges, what are they trying to do? And it seems like they're trying to do the right things. It's just the execution has, has been missing in, in certain times. But not only is it an X and O thing, um, with um, – James Schmitz has been a really, really excellent uh, a piece of that staff, especially for my son, uh, Brent, who is an Indiana State basketball manager. Um, and, and there's a lot of respect for, for what Coach Lansing and, and all of the coaches do uh, for the young men who are players and who are support staff. And, and the, the only thing I have to say is on your videos, uh, there's a certain manager that always knows where you're filming. And, and I will I will give you these props that uh, Mrs. Tonsoni really appreciates the fact that we get to peek in a little bit and, and see Brent. But talk, share a little bit about how important uh, coaching staffs are. You mentioned it in football, uh, basketball, and a little bit about uh, the support staff, the uh, graduate assistants and managers, because uh, Brent Brent wanted me to ask. Well, what a surprise. Uh, Brent Tonsoni doesn't get enough camera time, uh, so he wants his dad to talk about him during his podcast. Uh, That's right. Doesn't surprise me one bit. Uh, no, obviously I have so much respect. Uh, I talked about Coach Mallory earlier. I feel just as equal uh, about Greg Lansing. Um, you can say whatever you want. He knows these past couple of years have not been up to par. Um He's as open as any coach as I've been around in terms of the fans. Uh, he lets fans come to shoot around if he wants. He lets them come to practice. And if you walk in and you sit down, 
odds are he's going to come up and introduce himself to you, and he's going to talk to you. He's not just going to be like, who is that? Get him out of here. Uh, that, that, is, that is not him. And I always tell Sycamore fans, granted, yes, the past couple of years have been tough. There are moments in games that make you want to lose your mind. But if you go to practice, you go through a walkthrough, these coaches know what's coming. Uh, it's not that they aren't prepared. Uh, they are as prepared as they've ever been. I mean, this staff and Greg Lansing, Marcus Belcher, TP, and BC, Brett Carey, do, oh my, I mean, I can't even describe how phenomenal of a job they do in terms of scouting and making sure our guys know the game plan going in. And a lot of that onus has to be on the guys. Your coaches can only help you so much. Uh, but in the op side, because I, you know, I get to work with op staff and support staff a little bit more than necessarily, um, you know, assistant coaches or the head coaches for that matter, outside of just, you know, interviews and stuff like that. Um, James Schmitz is the best director of basketball operations I have ever been around. Um, James has a lot on his plate, yet every time I go to him, I have a question for him, he always gives you time. Uh, and I know he doesn't have time <laughs> because of how much is demanded of him. Uh, but what I appreciate about him is exactly what I appreciate about Coach Lansing and all of our coaches here. I can have all of the ideas in the world a great video idea, great video content, play-by-play set, whatever. It could be the best. But if you don't have access and you're not allowed in the locker room and you're not allowed around, it doesn't matter. Um, those guys from trips, allowing me to go on trips, fitting me on a chartered flight, getting me on the bus, um, wherever it is, that speaks volumes of them making sure I have a spot and making sure that I'm welcome. Uh, I've been a part of teams that I've had to wait uh, till the team is done eating and leaving and can't even be part of the team meal. Uh, they allow you in. Now, you let the guys eat first, of course. Uh, Brent, by the way, probably jumps the gun. Brent's, Brent <laughs> always gets his food first. Uh, he can't wait very much. No, that's all joking. Um, but, you know, just little things like that. They make it feel part of a family. They really do. And they're there for you more than basketball. And, you know, this is kind of really the first group, to be honest with you. I've had a lot of interaction with managers. Uh, I've always been around managers um, just because they're there. Uh, but I don't think really people understand the amount of work that takes. Uh, you know, for me, the reason I'm a broadcaster is because I think why I can relate uh, to your son, Brent, why I can relate to Austin, why I can relate to Dalton and Kenny is because as a broadcaster, I've never been good enough to play. I, I tried to play. I just quite frankly, I'm not good. <laughs> I am not <laughs> athletically skilled by any stretch of the imagination. But being able to call games makes me feel like I'm still a part of it. Uh, and it still takes a lot of work. It's a lot of preparation. But you know what? It makes me feel part of the team. And those guys do even more work that just, quite frankly, doesn't get noticed, whether it's doing laundry till the wee hours of the morning, uh, setting up practice before the guys even get there, going and getting groceries, uh, before her practice, um, class checking, you know, what, whatever the issue may be and whatever they help out with, it doesn't get anywhere near the attention as it should. Uh, and those guys care just as much, uh, if not more, than the guys who actually play. And I think that's what makes those positions, that's what makes uh, those guys crucial to be part of your program. Because I think when you're in it every day, 
uh, you sometimes need a different perspective. Uh, and you know, when you're a player and you're just around players all the time, sometimes talking to a manager, talking to a broadcaster, talking to somebody outside the program can do you a lot of good uh, and, and understanding why they're in it. Uh, that's kind of what I always remind myself. Even when you have a bad day, why are you in it? Uh, why are you here? What, why do you do what you do? And that it's, it's all about relationships. And I think that's why those guys do it. Uh, they totally uh, enjoy being around the guys and whether it's rebounding for them, uh, helping them out in any other way, shape, or form. doesn't even matter if it's two hours after a practice, whatever the case may be, two hours before a practice. Uh, they're always there. And I think that speaks volumes of all of them uh, and why not just a basketball program is special, but but any program for that matter is special, and everybody has a role. I, Mrs. Tonsoni and myself are, are very uh, indebted to Coach Lansing and, and the men's basketball program for including our son as a manager and the importance that that has had in in getting him to a, a point where he's a junior uh, with a decent GPA and, and you know, academics has – not always been easy for Brent, but he really takes pride in that program. And if it's not for Coach Lansing and what he stands for and the coaching staff and all the way down through, uh, I, I don't know if, if our son's in a college in, environment. And that's why I don don uh, the blue and, and I'm a very proud um, Sycamore father and, and fan. And I, and I, I encourage all of my listeners to, to maybe schedule a trip um, to Memorial Stadium and watch uh, Coach Mallory's team play and, and encourage to go to the Holman Center, uh, which is a fantastic place to watch a game and, and watch uh, Coach Lansing's. And, and it's people like you and, and, and the people that we've met in the two and a half years that, that make Indiana State special. So f- for me to you, there's a, a thank you. But add, add to that, to our listeners uh, why, why come to Terre Haute and, and see some of these athletics and, and volleyball and women's basketball? Uh, give, give a last shout out before we close the show of, of why Indiana State is, is a place to come watch some some good athletes play. Well, first of all, Brian, it's Teradice officially. <laughs> so describe Terre Haute in the proper form as it should be. Okay. Uh, um, but no, I mean, you're exactly right. You know, I think Terre Haute gets a bad rap. I really do. Uh, you know, I, I've trust me. I, I went to Ball State, Muncie, Indiana, and all I heard was negative things about Terre Haute. Uh, and even growing up, people would talk negative about Terre Haute. Uh, when I got here, uh, this community has been really embracing. Uh, no doubt, there's always been even a challenge. I think between the community and Indiana State, I think that sometimes is still ongoing. Uh, but this, I've loved living here. Uh, but mostly, that's just because of what I get to do each and every day. Uh, it's being able to be around these athletes, be around these coaches. That's what makes the job fun. I think why, you know, what I do or what I try to tell is you think my access is great. I promise you if you came out to the games and you came out and got to know these coaches, you could have just as good as access to them. Uh, That is what is great about Indiana State. Uh, I think, you know, of a story, um, you know, I went down to Tennessee a year ago, Bob Kelsey, who's been, uh, their longtime play-by-play voice uh, down there at Tennessee. And Bob was telling me how he's got to get through five locked doors to talk to Butch Jones at the time. Uh, you know, I don't have that issue at Indiana State in trying to get to Coach Mallory. Uh, our, our coaches have tremendous 
you know, uh, tremendous ways to get in touch with them. And they're really good on social media. They're really good on all other platforms. They always try to reach out to our fans and connect with our fans. And, you know, whether it's a pitch to try to come out, um, you know, there's really no other pitch than that. Uh, it's to be connected, be invested. Um, don't just show up to show up. Uh, get to know them. And I can guarantee you when you get to know them, uh, I take a lot of pride in Indiana State football. I take a lot of pride in Indiana State basketball. I take a lot of pride in Indiana State baseball, all the teams for that matter, but the team specifically I really work with a lot. And I'm telling you, the, the reason I want them to win so bad is because of the people uh, and because of those who make it up and the relationships I have. And I promise you, you as fans, you can get to know them uh, through GoSickAndMores.com. You can get to know them through our videos, but more importantly, you can get to know them by showing up and getting to know them. Well, Luke, thank you for your time uh, this evening. I look forward to seeing you at the Holman Center uh, during basketball, uh, but really appreciate your time. Anytime, Brian. Always appreciate it and love getting to talk to Brent all the time here in Terre Haute. <laughs> he always comes by my office to say hello. Terrific young man. You guys did a great job raising him, but more importantly, appreciate this opportunity to talk about Indiana State, Indiana State Athletics. This is a Division One program, and it's a big-time school. It's a big-time program, and that's why we act like it's big-time. So I appreciate the time, Brian. Yeah, and share this with anyone, um, again, to promote and and to encourage people to come to Terre Haute, Terre Dice, and, and see there some you go. sports. You are, you're a quick learner. <laughs> I'm a quick learner. And, 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 thanks, and thanks again for your part uh, uh, with Brent as well. He speaks highly of you. Um, and so I look forward to seeing you soon. Oh, no problem, Brian. I will make sure that I get Brent his money. So I appreciate that. I'm glad glad he's giving you good advice. (laughs) Okay. That'll do it for this edition of Sports Talk with Tonsoni. Please find us on your favorite on your favorite podcast host and find us on Twitter as well at the handle at sports tons, our website, sports talk with tonsoni.com and at Delphi brackets. As the hoop season starts, Delphi bracketology starts making brackets for Luke Martin. I'm Brian Tonsoni. See you soon. <laughs>